Welcome to the Peace and Purpose Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be considered medical, nutritional, psychological, or any other form of advice. If you need specific advice, please consult a professional. What is up, everybody? We are back again this fantabulous week. And, you know, last week I told you guys that I didn't know if Chance was going to be with us again, and he is not here. So he's been super busy with work. Um, but regardless, we're going to try to carry on. I'm going to try to embody some of that Chance Brown charm. And we've got a fantabulous guest today. I don't know why I'm on that word, but um, she is going to, I'm going to ask her some questions and uh, we're, going to, we're going to go as we normally do. Uh, so she is a trauma therapist and has a lot of very interesting insight. And we had the privilege of being on her show recently as well. So without further ado, Ashley, how you doing? Hi, I am good. Having a very relaxed day. Yeah, this is post nap from from what I understood. So she she is very mellow and ready to to give us some some peaceful conversation, if you will. Uh, so with that said, I just wanted to, to kick it kick things off with asking you. So you know you've become this unique person, and you know I found that usually our personalities and who we are are the culmination of things that have happened to us in our lives. So I was just curious if you could tell us some events in your life that were monumental and making you the person that you are oof um <laughs> uh which rabbit hole do you want um so yeah as you said i'm a trauma therapist and an embodiment coach and what led me into that was having to navigate my own healing in so many ways. So when you ask the question of, of, you know, a monumental event, um, there was a few that came to mind. Um, and so I, I, I guess those are the ones that want to be spoken about. Um, one was surviving a six year narcissistic relationship um, showing trauma patterns that I had experienced as a child as well. So we tend to dive back down into the same trauma patterns that we experienced as children. Um, so while that one was very subconscious, um, it was definitely very impactful in my life as far as bringing me to an awareness of what my worth was, what I deserved, what, um, what women and men all over deserve, right? There's, there was a bigger aspect there of what I saw. And the other events that were very, very impactful in my life would have to be my miscarriages. Um, after losing four children or four babies, um, it was something that awoken something inside of me that I didn't even know was there. So it created a resilience, a compassion, a love, a ability to dive deeper than I think most humans consciously care to dive. Um, but I think that that one is a, is a really important one because it's so many women experience it and really don't understand it or know how to deal with it or, you know, how to navigate that. Wow. Um, so I think from a variety of levels, you really helped to understand what was already there with yourself, really, you know, it was sort of just coming to 
coming to understand it as opposed to finding it somewhere or, you know, or you changing through the process. But I think that's super cool. Um, so going back to the, since you're a therapist, you know, you're very well versed on this stuff. Talking about following the same patterns of your past or difficulties or traumas and those sort of mirroring themselves later in life. Um, what, do you have any other um, other details or anything you've noticed just with your clients that um, you picked up on as far as that mirroring goes? Yeah, so, you know, trauma programs us in many different ways. And so a lot of the times, a lot of our traumas come from childhood. And with these traumas, you know, as a child, you are simply trying to survive and get the love that you need at that time. It's not even the love that you deserve. It's, it's just simply that survival. Like I, I need, you know, these basic things. And so when you're in that survival mode and when you don't have the conducive atmosphere to give you love and, and connection and, and attention, um, we tend to fall into this space of we either overreact to gain that attention or we freeze. Um, and some, you know, and there's, there's, so there's three things that happen in trauma. We can, we can go, we can drop down into the fight or flight, which means we, we literally either fight or we run from the situation. Most commonly we freeze because especially as children, it's not safe. We can't run away and we can't fight the situation, right? Especially if we're fighting against a parent or a, an authority figure. And so what this does is it actually creates the subconscious programming within the mind and the nervous system that every time something happens to us where it even resembles the same experience as the abuse or the trauma that happened during earlier years, it actually creates that same freeze response in us that it did as a child. And we actually don't believe that it is safe for us to say, face our fears, right? So as adults, we tend to find these spaces in life where it's like, that's scary, right? So it's like, if we find a space where it is fearful for us, we tend to freeze, right? So instead of leaning into that fear and making that career change or ending that relationship or whatever it is, we tend to stay stuck and frozen in that same exact pattern because our nervous system literally does not feel safe enough to choose differently than the fear state we're in. Okay, gotcha. Now, I think that that speaks a lot. And, you know, I told my story on your podcast and I think I fell into that too. You know, I got... I got afraid, you know, with me, it was the, the career indecision, but it, when I say indecision, it's like, that's freezing, you know, it's, it's not moving in like in a, in a strong direction. So that really makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. It, you know, the freeze component, I think, you know, everybody talks about fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight. I think we forget about that. The, the just the straight up indecision part of it. So that's, um, that's really neat. Um, Riding right off of that, I wanted to ask you, go straight to our theme here. If you were talking about fear, um, what has been something that's been the most courageous or bold thing you've done? And how did you move through it? How did you convince yourself to actually take the steps through? So I, again, I will say that like my, my miscarriages were a huge, huge, huge part in that. 
Um, because that was something that, you know, you can't run or fight that at all. And so for the longest time, especially after the first three, I froze. Um, I froze into deep depression. I froze into thinking I wasn't good enough. I froze into this space of what is life and why am I even here? Right. Like it was just this whole space of having motherhood, which is something I never truly like wanted per se in a sense of like, oh, yes, I, I, I desire to be a mother, though, when it was presented in front of me and then ripped away from me, it was like a whole part of my identity got ripped away with it, an identity that I didn't even realize that I carried. Um, and so while I you know, was healing through, especially after the third one, um, I was stepping into my sovereignty. I was stepping into ending a six-year relationship that was abusive. I was stepping into who I was as a woman. And so I really think that like the miscarriages were the catalyst for me to step into that space of being able to be the trauma therapist that I am today and the empowerment coach that I am today. Right. There was so I started out with massage school 11 years ago and, and started with body work. And so that was something that I was comfortable doing. And while massage was starting to hurt my body, I also had this desire to do something else, to build a bigger business model, to touch more souls and help more people. But I honestly had no idea how to do that, nor did I feel that I had the presence or even the, you know, the, the stories around like, well, who am I to stand in front of a thousand people and speak my truth and, and help them through their issues. And so my miscarriages really allowed me to dive deep into my own soul healing and pull those parts of myself out that were like, wait, other people go through this stuff too. Like I have the experience. I have this amazing opportunity to either be frozen and, and continue to be in this frozen space of pain and, you know, um, not being able to really make decisions and depression and anxiety and PTSD and, and go down, you know, the alcohol and the drug path, which was kind of where I was going. Um, or I could completely look at that as an amazing opportunity to be like, okay, so others also go through this. Now, how do I pick myself up out of this? And how do I navigate this healing process in order to experience to it to its depths so that I can help others? And I think that's where I really came through is like learning that, no, I, I can stand in front of other people. I can share my experience and I can help others through their experience. That's neat. I um, actually just finished uh, just finished writing a book, and the last chapter of the book is the purpose of problems. And I I talk a little bit about how to reframe problems, even really dire problems like that. You know, you got minor inconveniences and dire problems, but regardless, taking advantage of them and going, oh, this is actually an opportunity to help people. Like people, other people can benefit from this. Like maybe this is something that is meant to be bonding or something to connect people because now I can give back in that, in that same way to like my past self is how I put it at least. And I think that's a, a great thing to predicate as a therapist to have that experience and to have all that. 
Yeah. And something I say all the time, you know, is turning your pain into purpose, right? So one of my recent clients is, is going through, you know, an abusive relationship type situation. And so I, you know, it was, it was one of those things where like, this has been a repeating pattern. And I straight asked her the other day of when are you going to stop asking the snake to bite you? When are you going to stop allowing the abuse to happen? And, and start to really stand and take your power back. And that's really a delicate space because when we're frozen, we don't think it's safe to step outside of that situation. But sometimes it takes that big red neon sign being like, okay, here's your pain. Now, how do you turn this into your purpose, right? How do you start to navigate this in a different way to serve yourself and recreate that space to where you reclaim your sovereignty as a man or a woman in, in that space? and so I think that that's really cool that you you bring that to light in your book. Um, it's something that I think that more people need to understand that they have the choice. They have the choice to change their life. And, you know, like with her, I used rage, right? She's got all this sadness on top of everything. And she's like, well, why is he treating me this way? And so I invited her to look at the situation in a different way. Instead of asking, why is he treating me that way? Look at how, can, how pissed off am I really underneath? And how do I use that rage to push me and perpetuate me forward in my path as a sovereign woman, instead of staying and allowing this abuse to repeat itself daily? So it's almost giving people the activation energy and generally mm -hmm. that, you know, it's coming from emotion, the powerful stuff. I think that's something really important to, to note with making these big moves, emotion, using emotion as the fuel, because even you look at it from a, from a standpoint of what you were speaking about a minute ago, you know, it is based in your emotion. The emotion of your miscarriage helped you to catalyze to move through and get out of your relationship. It, it just gives you enough energy through emotion to break through fear is what I'm gathering. Mm -hmm. it, so you sort of harness that and you're using that with other people. Now. That's, yeah. that's super interesting. And yeah. And, and that even happened to me recently, you know, going through a, a breakup with a, this last partner was, I noticed that like, while I was being distracted by the relationship, I wasn't really tuning in and working on my business the way I wanted to. I, I was being slightly distracted. My focus was being taken away. And as soon as I ended that relationship, all of that grief, all that pain, all that rage, like I created probably three months worth of material in a week because it was like I channeled all of that emotion, all that energy into that space. And while I was allowing myself to process through my own experience, I was using that to really pinpoint, like I said earlier, you know, people are going through these same things, right? So how do we turn this pain into like this space of like, well, this is how we help. This is how we go through this experience with greater ease and maybe a little bit more grace. Wow. I think, I think that's incredible. One from just the, the element of, you know, so we're talking about our past pain leveraging that to help people after we've sort of emerged from it. And I think that's neat, even from just the basis of the economy and what people want, you know, the, the value derived from products and services, you know, all of it, we buy things to help us feel a certain way. 
And I think that is just an excellent baseline element of how you're doing that on a more fundamental direction. You know, because if you think about it, people buy houses, they want comfort, they want to feel safe, they want to feel, you know, warm. These are these are different things, whether it's a physical sensation or an emotional sensation. So I think that's super neat. And what better way for what better position for someone to be in to serve that exact population than if that is you from a month ago or you from a year ago. I think that is super interesting. So I want to dial back from something specifically from your story. So you were talking about emotions basically coming off of your miscarriages to to get out of your relationship. Can we get a little bit deeper there? I want to know what, like what you were feeling and how you actually ended up getting out of freeze mode and, and breaking out of fear. Oof. Um, yeah. So the, so in that six year relationship, the miscarriage happened, um, on, I would say about year five, um, because I think we stayed together for another, at least six months to a year after time right now is, I don't, I would truly have to go back in journals to figure out time, but, um, I, so I was feeling within that space, um, like I said, depression was a thing. Um, I hadn't actually healed from my prior two miscarriages with my first husband. Um, so that was something that was still very alive in me when this third one happened. Um, and the feelings that really came up were not being worthy, not being, um, deserving as a vessel to carry a life form. Um, it really came through of, you know, I was also in that narcissistic relationship where I was being gaslighted constantly. And for those of you who don't know what gaslighting is, it's where they make you believe that you're crazy or that what you feel isn't what you're actually feeling. And so with all of that, I, I found myself in such a space that it was the first time I had considered suicide since I was a teenager. Um, and so it was a very, very, very deep space. Um, it was one where it felt like someone had a sword in the front of my heart and the sword in my back and we're twisting them both simultaneously in different directions. And so it was, it was intense. And the thing that allowed me to really wake up was doing his laundry one day and finding another woman's underwear in my dryer. And that was kind of the wake up call from the universe, kind of that slap in the face of like, all right, how many times do you want to get kicked in the ribs before you realize that like you need to exit this situation? And so that was a really powerful thing for me of realizing like I had been submersing myself into a situation where I was just continuously being beaten down in you know, not necessarily in a physical way other than the miscarriages, but in a mental and emotional and spiritual way was just having my identity completely ripped from me, twisted and fed back to me in this gnarly dish of what was perceived as truth at the time, because I was so messed up that I didn't see what was true and what wasn't. Um, it was, it was very much a space, excuse my French, but I was mined to the extreme. Wow. And you, so after all, like you're, you're sort of confused in this space and you're just, I don't know, paralyzed in that way. 
But then this big flashing light is, hey, underwear in the dryer, got to get out, essentially. That was your, that was your giant sign <laughs> saying, hey, go, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And it was, it was a really vulnerable time as well because I was very, very raw and um, inside out feeling, if you will. All I desired was to be held. All I desired was to be comforted. You know, the, the past miscarriage made it to where... I didn't want to go out into the world. I wanted to go very internal. I wanted to be held by the masculine. I wanted to be supported. I wanted to be nurtured in and of myself in the situation I was going through. And I wasn't receiving any of that in the relationship anyways. So while I was begging for it, because I was such in a space of not knowing my worth, I was actually begging this man for his attention, for his love, for his, his support through this. And while he did at the, at the, you know, um, right after the miscarriage, it was like months later. And I, I even remember like after the one year, like, you know, mark of like losing that pregnancy that he was like, well, that was a year ago. You should be over it by now. And that just crushed me. Like, it was like that. What do you mean? I should be over it by now. Like I literally lost a soul that I was carrying. And so, yeah, the, the underwear in the dryer was kind of that big smack in the face of like, oh, like he, he doesn't see me. He does not, he does, he, he literally doesn't see me in any way, shape or form. Wow. I mean, and especially, you know, in a time period of your life like that, when you need empathy, <laughs> you know, like you need that, if there's a time to have it, there it is. Here's, here's your sign, mm -hmm. man. I, I can totally see that, you know, you guys were headed in separate directions as far as that went. So that's, uh, that's a real shame. So, but. So talking about the, the anatomy of freeze to freedom, basically, let's call it freeze to freedom. That sounds, that sounds good, catchy. Uh, and, but anyway, so the process of that for people, you know, whether you're stuck in a job, whether you're stuck in a relationship, whether you're stuck in something where you're not feeling alive or you feel afraid, but you don't want to move. What do you think for people, how can they get out of that? Because I see a lot of people, maybe they don't get the big sign, you know, they don't get their underwear in the dryer moment or whatever it is. But what would you say for people who were frozen, but haven't gotten that cue, but maybe they're aware that they are in that situation? Hmm. I think that, you know, the biggest thing that's coming up right now is reminding yourself that you're safe. Safety comes from within. That is not an outside source. Um, so reminding yourself that you're safe and reminding yourself that you've always been free. Freedom comes within from within as well. So it's that space of, yes, we can be fearful and yes, we can freeze or we can actually choose the freedom that is within us. We can actually choose to reclaim our power. And that takes taking action, right? So if you're in a bad relationship and you don't have the 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 courage to step out of it you know you have this scarcity mindset of how am i going to make it without this person how am i going to do this world alone like 
if I have, if you have children, right, how am I going to raise these four children as a single parent? Um, there's, there's all these fears and, and scarcity mindset that comes like crashing down on us when we decide that, oh, we want to get out of this situation. So I think the biggest thing is, again, just reminding yourself that you are safe, reminding yourself that the freedom is coming from within you. You get to create that in your life. And so one of the things that I would say is start to choose yourself first, right? So if you're not ready to just step out of that relationship because it's so fearful, all right, stay in the relationship, but start choosing to go to the gym, go on walks by yourself, take a camping trip by yourself. Um, you know, do the things that you feel are going to nurture your soul and bring your self-love back so that you begin to have the strength and the courage to actually make that next step to get out of that situation or that challenge. Okay. So, so doing those sort of those self-loving acts that helps you to build up that safety component or the self-confidence or what have you to then you can take a bigger step so little steps big steps essentially yeah because if you think about it most people so if we're just talking about abusive relationships most people in an abusive relationship are going to be so frozen and not think that they're worthy and they're not going to be doing anything for themselves. They're going to be catering to that other person because realistically, the underlying thing is I need your love. I need your validation. So the idea is to start loving and validating yourself first and foremost. So that way you find everything you need that's already inside of you and you can start to bring it out, right? Then those courageous acts of boundaries come in and you're like, no, you're treating me wrong. I deserve better. Right. And not only the boundary, but the ability and the courage, the courage, the courageousness to carry out the consequence that goes with that boundary being overstepped. Right. So that's where that self-love comes from. Oh, okay. Got it. So the self in the context of those romantic relationships, I guess, relationships in general. Uh, yeah the building up the self-worth yourself so that now you're not dependent on the other person because for people that aren't good for you especially that i'd say in general i i guess you'd agree with that just having the self-worth yourself and then it's more of an interdependent thing as opposed to a dependency of your of the love like like having your love is awesome like I, you in my life is great but there isn't a absolute need or dependency in that would you, would you say that's a good way to, a good summation of it? Yeah, because if you think about it, like we go back to that childhood trauma, that child was always seeking the parent's validation. That child was always seeking the love and the comfort and the connection from that parent. So the child actually has to attach to an adult's regulated nervous system in order to co-regulate their nervous system because they're not able to do that, especially through infancy up until like seven years old. So when you take someone who has been in childhood trauma and has had that freeze pattern throughout their life, they're going to do this with friendships, with, you know, bosses at work. They're going to let bosses at work run them over and, and treat them like scum. They're going to let romantic partners treat them terrible because all they want is that validation of that love, of that acceptance, of that connection. And with the trauma being in the background or even just challenging times, that sets the stage for, oh, well, the correlation of being treated bad is love. 
but that's not the reality of it. So in order to know what love is and what freedom is, you actually have to create that within the self. You have to remember that that comes from within. So that way, you know, the red flags in relationships and you know, the green flags of like, okay, this is love. This is pain. I don't want this. I I want this pure connection with this pure intention. And we normally see this through individuals who, you know, um, you know, say a friendship, you, you meet someone that loves themselves, that treats themselves good, that eats healthy, that, that lives a life that fulfills them, right? They are coming to you as a whole person. They're not looking to take anything from you. They're just coming to you because you're a nice person. I want to be friends with you, right? Versus a hurt person or a wounded person is almost going to be like a vortex and suck you in and be like, oh, well, you're a happy person. I want to steal some of that energy because I'm not happy. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is uh, super profound. I think one thing you said that really, really set off the light bulb for me was the association between pain and love. Like it's it's almost like to make sure I understood this correctly. It's almost like when you were when you were a kid, whenever you felt love from from an external source, it's almost like if someone loved you but also caused you pain, and now you feel like the only way you can be loved is when there's also pain there. Like that that association is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, and one of the things I've noticed within one of my clients, you know, she was she was severely severely beaten as a child, um, and she even saw it to where she was the younger one. And when, when she would do something bad, her older brother would take the beating for her. And so she started to correlate, well, unless I am perfect, unless I am good, then other people around me are going to suffer. Right. And so she took on that identity of, I have to be perfect, which also made her come into this space of a people pleaser and a overgiver to the point of she thought she had to love and care about absolutely everyone around her just so that they wouldn't hurt her. Oh, wow. The, even from that standpoint, it, yeah, it sounds like, so she, she had to be loving so that other people didn't get hurt, essentially. And that was a feed, there was a feedback loop there, association. Wow. Right. So looping back to the, little steps, big step, the, the bold, courageous step out um, part of things. With building self-worth and self-love, but before we even get to this, let me retrace my steps. What is your definition of love? We talk about it a lot in culture, and I think we've all got different definitions, and I don't want to do anybody a disservice by not getting your how you define it. Yeah, um, I view love as as an unconditional source, right? So I view love as that, that ability to not judge and connect with anyone, no matter what they've done, no matter what harm they've done, no matter what they are, because I also understand the wounds that they have underneath the surface or what is driving their actions, right? If they're not aware of it. And so I see love as this very unconditional thing that you know, it was, it is supposed to be like an innocence and a purity of a child. And there's also, you know, we, we speak about self-love and there's also the aspect of love that is very fierce. There is that fierce side of love where 
if someone is overstepping my boundaries, I'm going to stand up for myself because I love myself enough to do that. Oh, okay. Okay. And that's sort of, that's reflective of the self-love part, the self. And that's unconditional hoping for their well-being. Is that essentially, you know, unconditionally going full, hoping that they are going to be well. And that's directed inwards as well. If you've got that, hey, here's my boundary. Yeah. And the way I view love is I'm going to give you my love either way, right? Friendship, intimate relationship, whatever it is, I'm going to come heart open and, and love you anyways, until you give me a reason to not trust you. Right. And then that love is no longer projected outwards. It is, it's not that I, I turn into, well, I don't love you. No, I just take that love and I face it towards myself because in that moment where someone is taking advantage of you, that love is still present. But if you allow that love to continuously project it out at them, you're not, you're depleting yourself by letting them treat you that way. So you turn that love back around and that's where you start to nurture yourself with that self-love. And that's where that fierce love comes from, right? Like setting those boundaries and really standing in yourself. And one of my favorite sayings, and I've, I've used this with many partners I've broken up with is it's not that I love you any less, I just love myself more. Wow. Yeah. And, and that sort of flips on whenever you see that somebody's trying to take advantage of you, basically. Right. And, and generally that comes from some pain or need that isn't being met on their end from some psychological, you know, maybe, maybe the past or maybe what have you. But regardless of that, it's now affecting you and you have to be mindful of that. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. So a lot of this stuff and just getting into this called this is super interesting to me with people that take advantage or they maybe are all focused on themselves and they don't, they're not being empathetic to you or thinking about how things that they do affect you. You think a lot of that tendency comes from harm that they have had to experience in the past whether psychological or physical or what have you or is it just a general human need that needs to be met without harm I mean I guess there's a couple of different scenarios but what is your take on the root of that so ask your main question again yeah sorry that was a little convoluted um so to rephrase <laughs> the people that are harming to others you know, you say that you still love them because you understand that it comes from a place of pain. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that one person taking advantage from like taking advantage of another person that comes from their own pain, the person that is taking advantage. Yeah. So the, the phrase that comes up to me is misery loves company. Right. And so this comes from that space of if you don't have awareness of. Um, OK, so I'll, I'll explain it this way. Um, response versus reaction. Right. So most people are in a reactive space because from somewhere down in their line, whether it was two years ago in a relationship or in childhood, they are in this reactive space to where they take everything personally. So you can say something to them and they take it very personally. It triggers and activates that old trauma. And so they react from this space. And so 
you know, that misery loves company, a hurt person will hurt another person, right? Because they're unaware of how their pain is actually being projected out through their actions. But when we choose to respond, this comes from a space of, I have awareness of where my wounds lie. I have awareness of where my traumas are. I have awareness of how those traumas or the, the experience of the trauma made me feel. I have an awareness of what I needed during that experience of the trauma that I didn't get, you know, the lack of love, the lack of connection. And so now I am able to have the awareness to give that to myself, not take something that you say personally and really begin to become aware of, okay, what, what, why am I activated? Why am I triggered inside? And, and sort that out within myself so that I don't project it out onto you and wound you with it. I keep it to myself and I may discuss it with you, but I'm going to become aware of it and I'm going to nurture it and I'm going to hold it and I'm going to figure it out so that I can respond from a space of love instead of reacting out of a space of the pain body. Okay, got it. So that the big word here, awareness, yeah. awareness of the situation. Then from there, you can realize the, the pain of lack almost is what it sounds like. You weren't getting things from outside of you. You realize that you lacked that and you have emotional responsiveness when you, you feel that pain or that sensation coming on being triggered by something that's going on in your environment now. And then from that, you can unpack it yourself. And the best way to do that is to be able to learn how to create it from within you, like from an internal sense. Yeah. And so one thing I want to say here before I go into that internal stance is the core trauma is the disconnection. So it's not the trauma itself. Um, and to heal that core trauma, you must reconnect to yourself and receive safety and nurturing support. So being that the core trauma isn't actually what happened itself, but that it's that disconnect that you felt while you were experiencing that trauma, right? So most of the times when we're in a, in a relationship, friendship, whatever it is, and we feel we take it as a personal attack, we go back into that wounded space of they're going to leave us. They're going to abandon us. They are going to judge us. They are, you know, all of these stories start to come back up there. So that's where we have to be able to be discerning and be like, okay, this comes from a past pain. I get to love myself through this. I get to remember again, I am safe. I'm safe in my body. I'm safe to feel my emotions and then be able to respond to that person or that situation from a space of love instead of fear and disconnection and disassociation. Great. I'm going to have to listen to this episode a couple of times so that I can uh, fully understand everything. <laughs> um, yes, but definitely. I, I think that's super cool. I think it's super, I'd see why you're an empowerment coach because I think it's even, even though you're not saying the word empowering, it's empowering that people have the ability to reconstruct the quality of their lives on their own without needing some external thing to happen in order for their lives to, to be better than they currently are, for them to feel better, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, so I have two more questions for you. Uh, these, are, these are always fun, fun ones we ask people. First off, you, you know, you're very in touch with yourself. And right now, you know, our podcast is called The Peace and Purpose Podcast. We always like to ask people, what do you think your purpose is now? Although it may change as you move on in life, what do you think a 
why are you here and what are you supposed to, what do you feel like you're called to do right now? So my big thing is reconnecting to the elements and nature. So, so many people have gotten so disconnected from nature herself, and it is the planet in which we live on. She grew literally everything that we needed in order to heal in a natural way. If we just learn her funguses and her plants and everything again, we're able to completely heal ourselves, mind, body, and spirit. And so I think that, you know, my biggest purpose here, and I'm creating some programs I'm going to launch in 2022 for this. Um, but really creating a way of, of living sustainably with Mother Earth. Now, that's whether we live sustainably in a, in a sustainable community or, or we live, you know, in, in society. But learning how to reconnect to Mother Nature and use the five elements to actually begin to come back to ourself, our five senses, and, and really embody what the human experience is here on this beautiful planet. Got it. So cool. Um, so the five elements, those are like the five senses. Is that like the common or is it actually something outside of that? So it's it's different. So the five senses are your sight, smell, taste, hearing, you know, touch. Um, the five elements are ether, which is the space we reside in or spirit um, or it can be our spirit, you know, um, air, fire, water and earth. And so our body is made up of those five elements, just as Mother Earth is made up of those five elements. Okay, got it. Got it. Well, cool. That is awesome. Um, our final question, and my co-host Chance loves asking this, I'm really ashamed he's not here for this. If you, <laughs> if you could put anything on a billboard, and how it works is you can put it up there. Millions of people are going to see it. You can design it how you want. What are you going to put on the billboard if you had the, the luxury of doing so? Reclaim your power of choice. Wow. Wow. Almost reclaim your, your freedom, if you will. Yes. Um, we live in a society where there is so much happening to where our governments are taking away our freedoms to where we're being forced in certain situations to take a vaccine that hasn't been tested. Like we have literally had crimes against humanity, like driven against us in these last few years and the last 10 years really, but like these last few years, like really heavily. And so my biggest thing there is like, people have the power of choice, like take your power of choice back. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I think that's super neat because from the way you're saying it, you know, people who have realized that they do have the choice, they have the self-confidence or the, the self-worth to say, hey, you know, I'm going to go out and be myself in the world. And what you're saying with just within relationships, that seems to be the way to, to get along better anyway, or the, the love aspect, the peace aspect, or that sort of, uh, I think of it as nodes in a network. So it's like we're all, all have our different energy that we're putting out into the and, you know, the, the way to best harness that good energy is by actually making, feeling empowered enough to make choices. Because I think people that have that self-worth and don't have the pain and don't have the, the things that come with, oh, I don't have freedom of choice, you know, those people are the ones that hurt people, I believe that's saying. So I think exactly. that's super interesting. I think it's super yeah. interesting. 
And the, the one thing I think about right now is that, you know, we have a society that sits there and stares at the television and the television is marketed to feed you fear. So they are in this fear state completely to where it's consuming every cell of their body, every thought in their head. And so when they go out into public, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is this, this shower of fear. Have you heard what's happening? No, I really don't care. I don't live that reality. I don't live that life. I'm not um, naive to what is happening in, in the world, but I choose not to focus on that. I choose to focus on my own freedom and the life that I want to build, not that they are feeding me on TV or, or in our society. Gotcha. Yeah, I, th I think that's a super, super neat interpretation of what's happening. I think it's, I think it's super aware of yourself to, to realize what emotions are being provoked by certain stimuli to, to make it sound super western sciencey but but essentially that sort of pattern so well this has been great i think we all have a lot to unpack here i think i have a lot to unpack i'll listen to it again once we once we edit and such uh but yeah, I just, I just want to thank you for coming on and I want to encourage you. Do you have anything that you want to promote to people or things that you're doing? You, you mentioned new things coming out next year, but things now maybe that uh, you want everybody to be aware of? Yeah, so um, I mean, I, I would invite you to come on and listen to Secrets of the She-Wolf, um, which is my podcast. Uh, Chance and uh, yourself are, are speaking a beautiful um on beautiful topics there and it's very enlightening um and also you know i i do women's embodiment retreats so these retreats go into helping women to shed their limiting beliefs and their past hurts and pains and knowing that they can heal from that and again you know turn that pain into purpose and find clarity in their vision and, you know, like I said, next year at the beginning of the year, I'm going to be launching a few online courses as well as some group um, journeys for women's empowerment. And um, yeah, so just watch out for all of the amazing things coming. Cool. And we will link to all of that in the description so that you guys can get easy access to it. Um, so we'll get that stuff from Ashley. And yeah, so we really encourage you all to check out more of her stuff. If you can't tell, she's very insightful and very well thought. And that is our show today. Ashley, I want to thank you so much. You have been awesome and such a blessing. I'm glad you reached out to us. She was actually our first cross promotion that we set up. So anyway, we will see you guys again next week. We're going to have another wonderful, awesome, pretty cool guest. And uh, I just want to say I love you and I hope you have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. If you are enjoying or benefiting from our show and you'd like to spread the love, you can do so by subscribing, downloading, and telling your friends and family about us, especially if you feel that they could benefit as well. Also, if you'd like to access our show notes, which includes any resources that we may speak about during the show, you can do so by clicking the down arrow, the details button, or the abridged paragraph, depending on the platform from which you are listening. We want to thank you for your continued support. We really appreciate it. The Peace and Purpose Podcast is a participant in the Amazon Services LLC Associates Program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide means for creators to earn advertising commissions by advertising and linking to Amazon.com and its affiliated sites.
Thank you for joining us on the Peace and Purpose Podcast. See you next week.